And it was interesting to see the way people looked at me. Well, you didn't obviously really grow up in Flint, which meant, oh, you're white. Were you from the suburbs? talking about today we were going to start talking about our hometowns and yeah. how they impact us as an introduction to our season two yes you got to set that up the i mo- think i just did the moderator <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta set that up um all uh, right. i could tell a million I, I i feel like i have two hometowns which is weird but mm-hmm. and they each played a good uh role but if i if i have to say i'm from somewhere i always say from the first place mm-hmm. that i lived Although my mom corrects me because I actually, it's it's a weird thing. I have learned that my kids consider their hometown Wilson. You know, they were both born in Flint. Joseph lived there till he was almost five. But yeah, they consider Wilson their hometown. That's where Joseph went to kindergarten through eighth grade. Yeah, so that makes sense. It does. That makes sense. It's just weird to me. But Anthony is born in Daytona Beach, so Palm Coast is his hometown. Poor kid. Aww. (laughs) Poor kid. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season two, episode one of Strongly Worded. Episode one, how do I say that? Season Season two, two. episode one? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am Sue O'Lear. And I am Johnny Hampton. And we are coming at you from our new and improved dining room studio. Yes, check one, check one. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it sounds a lot better than it has been. Yeah, we invested in a little... Equipment upgrade over the break, and uh, I sat down in YouTube podcaster school a couple of times to try to get a crash course in how to use it. Yeah. So here we are. Super producer Sulier. <laughs> uh, we're not there <laughs> yet, but uh, we hope that you had a, a nice, relaxing, fun holiday season. I packed away all the Christmas to pull out the new studio, move it back in the dining room. Meanwhile, my Christmas tree is still up. It's going down tonight, though. Is it? Yeah, because if it doesn't, my wife's going to kill me. I said to your wife, I've got all the Christmas lights packed away till next October. <laughs> she tried to skip over it like, that's hilarious. Happy Halloween here at Christmas. <laughs> I would totally send Joe and the kids out trick-or-treating and start putting up Christmas lights back in the day. Um, so season two, we decided with season two, we're going to have a little bit of a story arc. We're going to have a bit of a theme, um, and we're going to flesh it out with this introductory episode. We are going to talk to you about our hometowns and how they have shaped us or maybe others, how they've impacted us, the identity of our hometown and the identity of the urban black man and the (laughs) middle-aged white woman from the Midwest. (laughs) Um, that was a season one joke folks (laughs) hopefully hopefully they they listened in season one so they know what i'm talking about 
Um, and then we have a series of guests lined up throughout the season to talk about their impact on their hometowns. I'm excited about that. Yeah, we've got some some really interesting stories lined up to tell. Yeah, that season. that I'm excited about, mm-hmm. uh, especially one guy in particular um, to hear his story because I think I think it's needed. I was talking to someone at work last week. I was meeting a resident who was coming in wanting to teach a class, and she was talking. We were kind of talking about how COVID has been great for um, sort of launching personal initiatives. Mm. I mean, you and I sitting here in front of these microphones, a personal initiative that might have still taken some time if we didn't have some time to really talk and find our banter and our voice and everything yeah, together that's true. during COVID. I don't know. I mean, we joked that a lot of the reason why we started talking so much was because I was working from home and you were off. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Off. off. <laughs> you were on a vacation. <laughs> you, were, you were off for a bit. Um, and uh, uh, some of the guests that we have lined up, I think, uh, made certain impacts or had certain things happen because of the same reason, you know. Um uh, we hope to talk to a business owner who uh, made the choice to uh, let their business front some political issues. Yeah. And we've got someone who is going to be making a TV show here in this town. Nice. Um, and uh, just several interesting folks coming up. And uh, we can't wait to bring that to you. But let's set it up and start a, a little, talking a little bit about our hometowns and the impact it had on us and maybe we had on it. Johnny, where are you from? I am from Queens, New York. Um, born in Jamaica, Queens. Lived there for a little while. But what I call my hometown is Flushing, Queens. I kind of have two hometowns because I lived in Flushing, Queens up until age 13. And then I moved to Jamaica, Queens, a place called Rochdale Village where I spent from 13 to I don't know, 21, when I moved out of my parents' house. So I kind of have two hometowns, and they've each impacted me uh, in ways that, you know, I still use some of the lessons I've learned from those towns today at 44 years old. So they impacted me greatly, which is why I think sometimes I don't understand the kids of today. <laughs> but that's a, <laughs> that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, Flushing, Queens, when I lived there, uh, was a very uh, middle, low to middle class neighborhood, depending on where you lived at. I lived in Carlisle Towers. Uh, shout out to Carlisle kids. And it was very diverse. It was multiracial, multicultural. Uh, we had Asian, um, Muslim, Arab, I should say, I guess, uh, black, white, all different kind of religions, Muslim, Catholic. Baptist, Hindu, and that's where I spent my formative years, I would say, mm-hmm. which is why today, you know, I always tell people, like, if you look at my actual Facebook friends list, uh, you know, it's very diverse. It's not just 520 black people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I learned some things there, positive and negative, that I still take with me today, because that was like my foundation, my basis. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So I'm from Flint. And the first time I really realized 
that I was from a place that people outside of Flint, you know, knew, had an opinion of my town mm. was when the movie Roger and Me came out. Mm. I don't remember what year, late eighties, yeah. mid late eighties. Um, when my parents moved to Flint in the sixties, it was at its height. Uh, 200,000 people, booming economy, um, you know, all the Buicks and Chevrolets were made, yeah. you know, between Flint and Detroit. My dad's business was uh, a supplier to the automotive industry. Um, yeah. Smart business. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and then, you know, and my brothers, I think, sort of tasted some of that. But by the time I was coming up and in elementary, middle, and high school, you know, it was really changing. In the 70s is when, you know, the the automakers began sort of disinvesting in Flint, and it began that, I don't know, urban decay, I guess, right? Yeah, it's funny how businesses, whether they come or they leave, how they affect towns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like... Uh, since the the part of Flint that I know that I'm familiar with is about all of these programs and attempts to revitalize, at the same time something shitty's happening to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think what that means is that people from Flint have a certain grit to them, a certain mm, toughness about them that uh, I really like. Yeah, I often say um, when you're from New York City, like a real borough in New York City, you know, no disrespect to upstate and all that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about your Queens, your Brooklyn, Harlem, stuff like that, that it hardens you in a way that you can go anywhere and do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm certain that it is coming from Flint is one of the reasons why I was so successful in Chicago, sort of not... I mean, I was tough. A lot of the kids who came to that theater program stayed within the confines of that little conservatory because it was sort of scary not to be. Mm. Or they stepped out of the confines of it and just handled it badly. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like me and you are from places that <laughs> you've seen some things that, you know, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of other places that can scare you as much. Right. You know, I feel that way a lot of times. Like, listen, I've seen some things, <laughs> you know, this little town in Florida is not going to scare me that much. Mm -mm. I yeah. don't, you know, I don't worry because, right. of, because of where I'm from and what I've seen. Mm -hmm. And which isn't to say that I didn't have a, a relatively privileged upbringing. I did. I didn't experience Flint in the same way that everybody experiences Flint. Mm -hmm. But... um I definitely had an awareness and, and a pride in everything that that community, community has come through. And the people that I was friends with then continue to have, so many of them continue to try to have a positive impact on, on the community and the people. It's about half the size it was in its heyday, maybe a little less. The, <laughs> there's barely 100 cops on the street. My mom always gets mad at me because she acts like, you know, she thinks like when I talk about flushing, like, you act like we were so poor. <laughs> I, listen, we weren't destitute, mm -mm. but when I when I when I say that my bedroom was supposed to be the dining room, that's an actual fact. Mm -hmm. Like that's true. Like we had a nice house, 
but it was a one-bedroom house with three people in it. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, my room was supposed to be the dining room. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved Flushing. I did not want to move from there. I, I cried. I stayed in my house a year when we moved to to, to Rochdale because I was already going to the ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like what we did to Joseph. When we yeah, so I I dig it. I understand. I understand that a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was, and part of it was like almost like a culture shock. So, like in Flushing, they have areas that are urban, um, Pomenac, Colden Street, and I hung out in those areas. But when you move to Jamaica, Queens, it ain't like Flushing. It just isn't. And anybody who's lived in both places can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, Rochdale is a lot different than Flushing. It's all black people all the time. It's crack vials on the basketball court. It's hearing gunshots at parties. It's Those are two different experiences. I didn't experience that in Flushing. Mm-hmm. That I'd like, there's some people who did. I'm just, I'm just not one of them. My experience in Flushing was a lot different. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved, oh, I hated it. And I, I played, I stayed in my house for a year because I was still going to school in Flushing, that's why. Mm-hmm. And I still had friends in. I would go, when I hung out, I would go back to Flushing mm-hmm. for the first year. How far apart? Yeah, Flushing is like 45, well, about an hour by bus. Yeah, so you had to take two buses. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. But you know you can't. That, that's not sustainable, though. Yeah, that's like tough. you, you eventually have to make friends where you live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we were talking just before we started recording about how my kids consider their hometown different, not the town that they were born in, right? But the town that they spent a lot of formative years in, and that is that town is so completely different than where they were born and where we were from. <laughs> yeah. You know, this small southern tobacco town in North Carolina versus It ain't Flint. <laughs> no. it ain't Flint. My my oldest child was born in New York, um, in Queens. But we moved here when Tiara was seven. Mm-hmm. So I doubt Tiara says I'm from New York. You could say you were born in New York. Right. My son is a Floridian. He's wearing Crocs and slides. <laughs> he's doing, <laughs> he is a straight, you know, he's walking around with no shirt on whenever he can. Mm-hmm. He's a straight Floridian. Um, which again, I think sometimes that's why me and him miss each other. Mm-hmm. When I, when I was, 13 i was a more mature 13 mm-hmm. because of where i lived yep and what i had experienced he's less mature because of his environment mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. so that's why you know sometimes we <laughs> we miss each other i'm like i don't understand this kid sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> and my wife has to tell me he's not like you and she like she we have we have that talk from time to time about our kids how they grew up as opposed to where we're from and how mm-hmm. we grew up and how we were at certain ages mm-hmm. compared to how they were and how we have to dial back sometimes our expectations because our hometowns influenced us in such a way that we were probably too old, you know, older than we should have been at mm-hmm. 21. I think that Joseph has a lot more Flynn in him than he thinks. I think so too. For sure. I mean, definitely 
he uh I think he has a lot more and and when he the four and a half years he spent there and he went to preschool there and things like that you know his friends were diverse and uh and it's just a, a different kind of sensibility he has that quiet midwestern toughness mm-hmm. he has that he mm-hmm. like when you go and you travel like some people from like new york we all you know sometimes we we we, we talk about how tough we are mm-hmm. but other places they don't they just and are. then you get into a fight and you're like oh shit yeah these guys <laughs> and they just are right he's mm-hmm. like that yeah he just is he he just shows up where he needs to be that's it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i had to acquire that yeah. I used to tell you I was coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so by the time I, I didn't realize, I don't know if any of us do, how much Flint was a part of me until I left it. Mm. Right? And I, not only was I going into a place where what people knew about Flint was from the Michael Moore film, <laughs> but that's also when Flint started appearing on all those lists of, a murder capital, oh my most goodness. violent city in America, mm-hmm. all of this. And it was interesting to see the way people looked at me. Well, you didn't obviously really grow up in Flint, which meant, oh, you're white. Were you from the suburbs? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> that's interesting. See, I don't, I don't have that experience because I think, like when I tell people I'm from New York, they automatically assume mm-hmm. that I'm from the inner city. Mm-hmm. And I can't really, <laughs> I can't really dispute that because <laughs> I am, uh-huh. but I don't, so that's an interesting experience mm-hmm. to have. It is. Um, yeah. When we as adults moved back to Flint, when we were pregnant with Joseph, when I was pregnant with Joseph and Joe and I bought a house in Flint, not in the suburbs, one of the, organ- I worked, I was a, uh, involved with the junior league of Flint. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that was a interesting experiment because I I really one of the reasons why I didn't really feel like I fit in with those women is because so many of them didn't live in Flint they lived in the suburbs so it felt like they were they would do things to donate money to my city but they didn't want to have their events in the city they didn't live in the city they weren't they weren't they of weren't, the city. They weren't of the city. They weren't going out to eat in the city. They weren't sending their kids to school in the city. And if any of you are listening right now, hi. <laughs> hey, but I'm the, not slamming anyone individually at all. The, I, it is definitely something I spoke about at the time, too. Um, one of their big fundraisers, they were looking to move out of the city, and that was about the time I was, I was done with the group. Well, if we're, not, if we're not willing to step foot in the city. But that happens everywhere, right? Like, we, we deal, I mean, this is a tangent, but we deal with that here. Mm-hmm. We have a basketball league that's in a part of, that's in a city that people kind of look down on and they don't want to come to the gym, but we're never moving. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's so our, like, It's our identity. Right. Like, And people people think, like, you can't change anything from the outside. You got to be there. Mm-hmm. You got to be in it. Yep. You got to be talking to the people. You got to find out what's going on there. Like, just throwing money at a problem, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It never has worked. You know? You know, so I understand that, and you you get that a lot, all the time with 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 things going on in inner cities like that, and people say, oh yeah, we're trying to fix it, but you live out in Long Island, mm-hmm. and you know, like where I'm from, you live out in Long Island, you never come to the hood, you don't know what's going on, 
Yep. It's like they work up at corporate. Right. <laughs> yes. And we're, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. boots on the ground. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I know, yeah, that's how it is. And it's frustrating mm-hmm. um, because you talk to people and, and they don't know what they're talking about because they're talking about some kind of uh, romanticized or fetishized mm-hmm. <laughs> version of the city you're from. Well, we had that a little bit when the league was playing in two different gyms. Yeah. And one of the gyms was, you know, here in Palm Coast, and one of the gyms was not. And even one of the volunteers with our organization said in, at one point, oh, save all the save all the games and the cow and the, the raffles and stuff for when you're in Palm Coast. And we told him, you were insane. He's, he's no longer with us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that, that, that's not. Mm-mm, that's not. More people come to the games when we're in Benel. Yeah. More people come to the games when we're in Benel. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get upset with that because what people don't realize is, like, I'm from cities that look like Benel. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, it kind of, like, it kind of turns me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, my wife will say, oh, Benel, it is different. But if you don't think, if I tell somebody I'm from Rochdale or Jamaica, Queens, that they don't look at me like mm-hmm. certain people look at the people from Benel, then you're crazy. Right. That happens. Yeah. Um, so, and I started to touch on this point earlier. Some of my friends, some of the kids I grew up with have turned into these amazing humans who still contribute to the community. You know, one of my friends from middle school and high school I dated him in high school for a little while. Um, he went away to college, and he was a Rhodes Scholar, and he you know, worked in D.C. and did all this stuff, but he came back. He founded Flint Club first, which was uh, a way for uh, all of us from Flint that had settled all over the country to still keep in contact, uh, keep in contact uh, you know, raise money, do different things that could um, directly impact the community and he eventually moved back to Flint and and I hope at some point maybe we can get him on the podcast too he uh, eventually ran and was the mayor of Flint for yeah, a that, while. that's interesting yeah I don't know that we'll get to talk to him about that period of time in his life but I certainly he might think, not want to talk about that and I don't know if he can yeah that's true um but I am really interested in talking to him about experiencing his experiences um, giving back to Flint while he was kind of all over the country and the world. Yeah, you know, I grew, you know. And why? In, like, yeah. You know, why? What What was the allure? In Flushing, I actually grew up with some people who are like hip-hop royalty now. Mm-hmm. And some of them still live right in Flushing. That's amazing. Yeah, like one of them, um, shout out to Large Professor. He's like a historic producer. And I believe he still lives there. And... It's it's amazing how, you know, even when you grow up in certain circumstances, just how great you can be mm-hmm. and how much you can do for others. Mm-hmm. And he's like that. Yeah. Um, if you were a rapper from Flushing, he would try to help you out. He was, he, he was never a big timer. Mm-hmm. I remember, like I said, I moved. By the time he became really big, I was living in Jamaica. But I remember I saw him. Uh, I was working at parking violations, and he had to pay some parking tickets. <laughs> and he was like, Johnny! I was like, oh, my goodness. And we talked for a little while, and he was never a big-timer. 
But then you have people who want to forget they ever came from there. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not one of those people. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I've gotten a college degree and I moved. I live in the suburbs now, but I'm not one of those people who forget where they came from. Absolutely not. It's definitely still. I can't do that Mm-mm. because it's ingrained in me, but almost too much. When I first moved here, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had so much trouble turning off. The New York? Mm-hmm. It was like, I remember somebody had parked their car. Like, it was in my swell. And I was like, I just kept saying, yo, if they don't get their fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like so <laughs> mad. It was like, chill, like just, just, it's hard, though. Yeah. It was very hard for like the first two or three years for me to turn off that hardness. Mm-hmm. It was difficult. I remember when we first moved to North Carolina from Flint, and I couldn't handle how slow people moved and drove and talked. Like, don't you people have somewhere to be? I still have trouble with that. Like, I get up, you know, I still I still have trouble with how laid back people are here. Mm-hmm. Like, if I tell you I'm going to be somewhere at one, I'm trying to get there at one. You're trying to get there at, like, five to one. Yeah. I, I'm a stickler for time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't like, you know, but that's just the New Yorker in me. Like, we're always going. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you move to Florida and they're like, oh, you know, 1 o'clock means 110. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and they, they what, wait a minute. That, I'm supposed to be late. <laughs> <laughs> they got a whole slang for. Yes, for that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about it, it makes sense because. You know, you just like you said, you, you lived in this place that's always moving. Right. It's always on the move. It's always hustle mm. bustle. And, you know, like when I want to relax, I go to the beach. When I want to be creative, I go to this type of environment. When I want to, you know, your environment affects. Yeah, for the longest time, I didn't even go to the beach here. Like, I just started going to the beach here this summer. I know. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I don't understand that. I don't, listen, I don't know. Like, and I do a lot of things. Like my wife is always like, "You never take a break." Mm-hmm. I'm just not used to it. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm like today, I was supposed to do something this morning, and then it got canceled, and I didn't know what the hell to do with myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "Well, maybe I'll watch. I'll binge one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so meanwhile, I mean, I've been laying on the corner of my bed for four days. <laughs> I don't have any trouble slowing down. I wish. I wish I could slow down more, mm-hmm. um, but I can't. And I'm and I and I'm skeptical of people all the time too, mm-hmm. because of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Like I don't trust. I trust family and friends easily. Once I trust you, mm-hmm. but if I don't know you, nah. Yeah. You know I don't. You have to prove it to me. But I think some of these environments produce s- such vital, awesome people. I would not be who I am today if. I didn't live in the two places I live. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fact. I have a friend that went to school and became a nutritionist, and now she works to feed hungry kids in the community we grew up in. See? That's amazing. That is amazing. I have, you know, a guy who was one of my closest friends in, in middle and high school is a filmmaker, and he brought his business back to Michigan, and he, uh, there's a film that's timeless, really, called that he made called The Anatomy of Hate, which um, oh, I got to look it up now. Yeah, look it up. He has a few. I mean, he 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 talks about these issues that we grew up in, but he can pull these themes from 
you know, all all walks of life, all areas of the country, all over the world. He, he made a film, um, When Elephants Fight, the one I told you that Robin Wright narrated. Oh, yeah. Uh, about the situation in Congo. And, I mean, it's just, like, yeah. we all kind of came out of the same place. And yeah, I got a dude. <laughs> yeah, I got a dude who still lives in Rochdale. He lived in my building. And he was, like, on the board. And he's like, because Rochdale is a co-op. People don't realize that my wife often calls it, a, calls it a project, but it is not. It's a co-op. It's just that it's all black people. And in the late 80s and 90s, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't the greatest place to live, but it's actually a co-op. And he uh, grew up, and he was now he's a city bus driver, but he was on the co-op board for a while. Mm-hmm. And he would post stuff and try to get things done. And, that, you know, we, we have a generation of people who are doing that. Mm-hmm that are trying to lift up the place where they come from instead of running from that place. Right. And that, I feel like that is a really awesome thing. Like, I'm truly thankful to be from where I'm from. And, you know, it kind of, when I was preparing for today, I realized I haven't been to Flint since 2009. Ooh, the last time I was in Flushing was probably, see, I haven't been to New York in a while. Uh, Last time I was in Flushing was probably... 07, yeah. 08, something like that. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I keep getting further and further away from it. Yeah. And, and I keep living in places that people will come visit. Yeah. I, I remember I was in Flushing and I went to see my babysitter. And um, she was busy that day. And I didn't know at the time that she was fighting cancer. Oh. And so I never got to see her again, mm-hmm. which was sad. That is sad. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's I, I got to take a picture with, with my uh, when I was there. I got to take a picture with one of my sixth grade teachers. I went by my <laughs> elementary school, and he remembered me, yep. which is cr- insane. Isn't that nuts that they do? Yeah, because that was like, you know, we're talking about 20-something years, mm-hmm. and he remembered me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I haven't been home in a while. I mean, that's something that's also kind of cool about Facebook. Yes. Being able to, at least in the beginning of Facebook, when you could. No, nah, Facebook, look, Facebook sort of is like, cool if you use it right mm-hmm. like i still keep in touch with a lot of my friends from where i grew up because of facebook mm-hmm. yeah i need to go back though because i i need to well now tiara's getting old so who knows but i wanted them to see where i used to live so they can have a appreciation for how they how they live how good they have it <laughs> <laughs> is a new t-shirt lady in Palm Coast, ladies and gentlemen. Dear C is a full-service custom t-shirt design company, and she has Johnny and me looking good. If you follow our social, and if you don't, you totally should, then you've seen the cool new strongly worded t-shirts that I had made up for us and our families. Tracy took great care of me through the entire process, answered all my questions, gave me lots of options, and in the end, I got great looking t-shirts at an extremely competitive price. Her work will also soon be seen on the fans of the Flagler County Basketball League. Dear C, spelled D-I-E-R apostrophe C-I of Palm Coast, can be reached at 1-847-890-9949 or dearc at hotmail.com. You can check that out in our show notes. And she will take care of all of your custom t-shirt needs. Well, my mom wants to go back this spring. She's asking me nice. to plan a trip with her. That's nice. To go back and 
and see the old neighborhoods, see the old houses. Yeah. Um, couple of the old haunts. Yeah. Of course, when I start thinking about it, I'm thinking of all the restaurants I want to go back to. <laughs> the food that I miss. <laughs> oh, man. Like New Yorkers and pizza. Yeah. We li- have Coney dogs. Listen, New York has the best pizza. Mm-hmm. Well, Flint has the best Coney dogs. When I go, when I go home, I have to have pizza from a certain spot. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be margaritas, but I don't know if they, I'm, I'm, I assume it's still there. Um, but yeah, I, I would like, we went, we went back to Brooklyn, and I'm not from Brooklyn, but we lived there. <laughs> my my son was not impressed with New York City. I remember you telling me that. This dude was like, yo, when are we going home? This place is dirty. <laughs> it's filthy. I'm like, yo, this is where me and your mom fell in love. He's like, chill. <laughs> I could care less. <laughs> That's hilarious. He hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Let me ask you, what what do you think is the number one thing you took that you took from your hometown that made you who you are today? Oh, I, I think my, a couple, probably a couple things, but the first thing I was going to say is I'm scrappy. Like I'll, I'll, <laughs> you're scrappy. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> really? And I don't mean fighting with my fists though. I can do that. <laughs> um, but, uh, it doesn't matter how dire a situation seems. I, I, I will climb my way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. For me, I, from Flushing, I think the number one thing I took is that to be able to recognize different cultures and races. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a unique, I had a unique experience there. Um, when I was a kid, I dated all kind of different mm-hmm. cultures. My friends were different. Like today, right now, like one of my closest friends from there is, is a white Catholic. Mm-hmm. Who lives in Port Orange? Who we never got guy never get to see now because of coronavirus. Ugh. And you know, like I hung out with a lot of Asian kids, mm-hmm. where I was like the only black kid with them sometimes, and they never made me feel like the only black kid. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got to see that, and so it, it kind of informs you that everyone who doesn't look like you is not all bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that was important for me. So from there, but from Rochdale, oh man, I learned so much stuff. And I, I was actually talking about this yesterday. Like, I don't understand these kids. Like, I wasn't a street kid. There's nobody, like, I didn't know. I wasn't on the corner selling drugs. No, I'm not, I, I don't inflate my lifestyle like that. But I was around people who did those, those things. Mm-hmm. And even when you're around them, you understand how the game is supposed to be. And, I, and so... That is what I've taken from there and just the hustle. Yeah. Everyone who lived there was trying to hustle to be somebody. They could be, hey, it could have been illegal means, like, hey, I'm trying to be the best basketball player to get this scholarship. It could have been illegal, like, yo, I got to sell these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. But everybody was scrapping to try to be somebody. Yeah. And that's why I don't, I don't understand the kids today. The people who were doing illegal things never took pictures of it. And put it on Instagram for the world to see. That's a yeah. If you had a whole bunch of cash in your pocket, you wasn't flashing it in the middle of the I, I don't understand that. There's no knock on if you want to do that. Be safe, you know, do your thing. I don't talk about what I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't so I don't understand a lot of that stuff. Um, 'cause where I'm from, you don't do that. You don't talk about 
like I, I used to I used to caution Tierra all the all the time, and even Anthony. Like if we're in a store and you got a whole bunch of cash, pull out what you need to pay. Mm-hmm. Don't pull out it. Don't pull out your whole entire wad of cash for everybody to see. Yeah. Now like, there's certain like there's just certain things that I learned from there. Like if you if you if you're talking to a girl, you don't tell the whole world you're talking to them mm-hmm. because then the next guy is going to want what you got. Mm-hmm. There, there are aspects of Flint that are so... Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. So in one of our past episodes, we were talking about... Um, the, when we were talking about separating celebrities' work from their ah, life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's such a, an aspect of Flint that is so full of culture and art and music and dance and, you know, this beautiful vitality that um I don't think you have to look that hard to find and it was a huge part of my experience with Flint um you know they have this uh, amazing art institute they have you know a whole cultural center and the institute of music um this amazing production of the Nutcracker every year that we all you know that touched pretty much all of us in some way Mm -hmm. you know what I mean whether you were in it or went to see it or it was a tradition a family tradition or or your elementary school you know went there on a field trip to check it out you know what I mean (laughs) yeah it kind of touched everybody and and when I owned the business later on part of my identity as a trainer was no you don't get in shape before you try that you don't get ready before you try that class. You don't mm. you register for the race now. Yeah. You know, like you, you got to do it now. And I think that's definitely part of where I come from. Like you don't, you don't have to be prepared to like everything's, all your circumstances are never going to be right to flourish. That's true. So flourish now. Yeah, that, 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 that's very true. And, you know, thinking about the stuff you're saying about art and stuff like that, you know, when you look around the country, and this is like a tangent, you know, a lot of these inner cities get gentrified. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they lose some of that stuff. Yeah, that uh, what makes it so unique. Right. And it's like when we went back, we went back to Brooklyn. Uh, my father-in-law was ill. And we went to some of the old neighborhoods that we used to live in. And it was like, what's happened here? Mm-hmm. It's totally different. And that's no... It's no disrespect, like, you know, hey, but then, you know, these white kids are on skateboards, like, and, <laughs> and like, it's just, it's just a different vibe, mm-hmm. and so you don't want that. It's a fine line between trying to revitalize a neighborhood and then wiping away what made the neighborhood what it is. Right. And America has never learned how to do that. They'd rather just tear it down, get those people out, move them somewhere else. Right. And turn this, the whole place into condos or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you, the little bodega down the street is gone, but there's a Walmart now. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. those, those are the things that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah. Man, New York is different now. When I went back, I didn't recognize it. And that's sad. Mm-hmm. But there's people who still there that love it. It's just different. It's just a different it's place different. to love. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people say that about here now. Mm-hmm. These northerners came. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Look what they uh-huh. did. Who, what famous people are from where you're from? Uh, famous people, where I'm from, where? 
Let's see. Because you know I did a little research. Did you? I had to just look up. I didn't. I didn't look up where you were from, but I. Um. I went down a wiki rabbit hole. Let's about see. Flint. From Flushing, got large professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Royal Flush is a rapper. Mike Geronimo. Um. Let's see. There's a lot of there's a lot of famous people from Flushing Queens. Actually, those are the three off the top of my head because I know them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from you know if you if you're from Jamaica. The larger Jamaica, there's a lot of famous people. 50 Cent, Lost, but there's a lot of famous yeah. people. Um, LL Cool J uh, mm. is from right around the corner from where I used to live in Jamaica, Queens. And I actually met him twice. Really? Yeah, I never oh, told you. Cool. Not- the, fu- the funniest story is, so <laughs> I'm at the mall with a buddy of mine and these two girls. And we're trying to do what we're trying to do. And LL Cool J walks by us at the mall mm. and ah. and the girl wanted me to kiss her and i gave a hug and went to talk to el <laughs> <laughs> i was like and what grade, i think i was in like 10th or 11th grade when that happened wow. yeah yeah i was like el is here like y'all getting on the bus bye <laughs> we got, i don't know how long el so, yeah, I mean, you see, in New York, you see people walking around like that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, this guy's not from my hometown, but I remember once I was going to work, and I saw Samuel L. Jackson. Wow. I was starstruck, Did too. you hear him first? No. No, I saw him. him first. He's tall. Is he No, really? it wasn't Samuel L. Jackson. I'm sorry. It was Danny Glover. Oh, wow. It was Danny Glover. He was shooting a movie. I worked at Parade Magazine, and he was shooting a movie... I forget the name of the movie, but it was around there. Mm-hmm. And he was coming from the gym, and he was tall. Really? And that's what I remember about seeing him, how tall he was. And he was walking down, and I was walking up the street, and I just looked at him like, that's Danny Glover. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sh- like, that's the only, it's so funny because I don't even, like, I'm not some huge Danny Glover fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't even know what shocked me about it. Mm-hmm. But I remember he looked at me and said, good morning, sir. And he kept walking. <laughs> Alrighty then. I, I was like, wow. Yeah, nah, they, Danny Glover is the only person I've ever been starstruck. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. I get starstruck kind of easily. Yeah, I mean, now we're off on a tangent. How many, <laughs> how, how many, what's the most famous person you met? Because mine will probably be him. Well, or El Cool. I don't know who you think is fam- more famous now. Well, let's see. John Malkovich helped me get a double stroller in the two doors Are you kidding me? of a Starbucks in Lincoln Park when I lived in Chicago. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He kind of he was sitting in the window and he saw me. Kind of, I was when I was the nanny by day. And John the Malkovich. John Malkovich. Yeah, he got up and opened the doors for me, helped me get the that's crazy double stroller in. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's a good that's one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's hard to beat. So they filmed, when we were still living there, they were filming, um, what was that Will Ferrell movie in Flint? The who? What was it called? About the Flint Tropics. Oh, um, oh man. My wife loves that movie too. Love me sexy. Um, <laughs> so a lot of them, you know, were around oh, town. Oh, man. And we spotted, spotted some of ah. those folks. Semi-pro. That's what it Whew. is. I've seen that movie like a billion times because my wife used to watch it whenever it was on. She yeah. loved that movie. Yeah. And don't lie and say you didn't because she does that. Oh, sometimes. no. No, no, no. I mean, my wife will say, oh, I didn't love that movie. I didn't watch it that many times. Yes, no, she it was did. good. I enjoyed it too. Um, I, but I read today a couple things that I didn't know. 
I didn't realize, or maybe I'd forgotten, but um, Casey Kasem started his radio show in Flint, Michigan. Oh, America's top 40. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that was my guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? I didn't realize. Yeah. Yeah. That That's good stuff. I think that's a good one. See, I never, I never researched famous people from where I'm from. I, that's weird. I should have done that. I just thumbed through Wikipedia. But, <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, so this, you know, I think that our hometowns stay with us if we're lucky, if we, you know, embrace that for sure. They definitely, do. uh, an impact on who I am. It'll be interesting to see since my kids have, have said what they feel like their hometown is, how that, what that identity is that may so, shape them. So your youngest moved here when, when you moved here, how old was your youngest? She, let's see. Did she turn 10 here? Oh, see, that's a big... See, that... Yeah, 10 years old. Yeah, she may have turned 10. might have been her 10th birthday here. So she's she's been... She was there longer than here. Both oh, yeah. Of, yeah both yeah. of them were. Yeah. But I was, I was asking about her because it's similar to, to Tiara, but we moved when she was... When Tiara was 7. Yeah. That's, that's no, much she's, she'll younger. S- she'll still say, like, when we start talking about going to North Carolina, she talks about going back home. See, that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah but she, uh, both of them, probably we all do, kind of romanticize it. Oh. You know what I mean? Like We all do that. The, the truth is, when Carolyn was there, she didn't have the circle of friends she has here, and we didn't have kids in the neighborhood, and she wasn't, she wasn't. Yeah, I mean, her. Joseph her, had it a little different. Her experience but, will be better here, but that still doesn't. Yeah mean that she calls his home right you know joseph could go back he goes back when we go back in the summer and he stays with friends mm-hmm. and kind of couch surfs for the week we're there or whatever to see everybody and one year when well not this pet like last summer when we went pre-pandemic we left him the car when nice. we went out to the beach i don't know what i was thinking but it all ended up okay so i could say it now <laughs> Um, you know, but Carolyn, when she goes back to visit, she visits adults, you know, like her, her favorite teacher, Mr. Smith, mm. her, her first running coach that is an awesome guy. Um, our neighbor across the street who, uh, you know, was just the best neighbor you could ever have ever. Plus she was a yoga instructor and worked at trio, worked at our taught yoga at our studio and, you know, hosted Carolyn on many occasions i can't wait to see what my son thinks of palm coast like you know mm-hmm. what will he think what will of, that impact yeah what, what what will that impact be for him i know a little bit about what it is with my daughter right now what is it it's it's very sort of politically oriented because right now we're still like right now she'll talk about palm coast in a way that every time she sees an american flag on a truck Mm-hmm. She has a negative reaction because of the, because of Flagler County being so red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, yeah, that, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think my son is always gonna. I think his a lot of his memories are gonna be basketball. Oh, for sure. I mean, both of them for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think for him, he's been playing now since he was eight, and I think his popularity and friend making stemmed from there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it. Um, some he has some friends that though he he's like me 
in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like, I have friends that I grew up with that are totally different than me. Mm-hmm. But I love them because yeah. they were the first ones. Yeah. Like, he's got a friend named Maverick. They could not be more <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah. Maverick hasn't grown. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's dirt bikes and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, he's a southern kid. And my son could not care less. But you cannot say a bad word mm-hmm. about Maverick. Right. <laughs> yep. He love him some Maverick. Yeah, Joseph has uh, two friends like that in North Carolina. And so they lived across the street from us for the longest time. Um, and the boy was, one boy was a little older than Joseph and one boy was a little younger than mm-hmm. Joseph. So at first, Joseph hung out with the older boy until the older boy went to middle school and then to high school because, you know, that... Yeah. So he hung out with the younger boy, and Until, now all three of you know. But now they're old enough. They're that, old enough that it doesn't matter anymore. But so from your hometown, who is the best friend you have now? That you that that you could actually that knows you and Joe and your family. Let's see. There are a few. I, the first one that comes to mind is my friend Lisa. Hi, Lisa Roser. If you listen, I guess I'll find out if she listens now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she grew up on my street, and we didn't, we weren't friends, we weren't super tight when she lived on my, when we both lived on the same street, but we um, grew up in Flint and went away and then became friends as adults when I came back to Flint, Mm -hmm. and she's very Flint, even though she lives in the suburbs now, and she's an awesome, awesome human being, and she's like somebody that you, I can just be like I can just be me when I talk to her, and she gets it, and vice versa. You know, we can see something somebody else posts or something on the news or you know whatever, and we both look at it through that same lens, right? Of wherever mm-hmm. she's one of the first people to reach out when my dad died. You know, she she knows my family, she knows my brothers, she knows you know so, words and all. Yeah. yeah. So for me, from Flushing, the you know, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings from Flushing. I know a lot of people. <laughs> But the one person who I've been friends with her since probably the first or second grade, and when I moved, we never lost contact. Her name is Ashira, and and mm. she came to my she came to my wedding. Mm-hmm. She's been to my home multiple times. Know my parents, grandparents, mm-hmm. knows both my kids. When my dad died, she came to town and had to have lunch with me because she said she had to put her eyes on me mm-hmm. to make sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. And then. She realized I wasn't. <laughs> so, and a matter of fact, she just texted me last week um, and saying that she was in town and wondered, you know, you know, she her, her parents are older mm-hmm. than mine, and so she kind of understands, like, you know, the loss of a parent mm-hmm. is tough. Yep. So, yeah, that for sure from Flushing is no no question. Mm-hmm. She has been the most constant in my life throughout the years. Now, when I moved to Rochelle, I got I got three friends that are that I consider three of my best friends, and that's James, Chris, and Jason, that I spent almost every day with for mm-hmm. <laughs> for many, many, many years. They were all in my wedding and all, all all that kind of stuff. And so, do you think today? Now, we're talking about hometowns and stuff like that. I don't know if kids today value friendship as much as we did. I think it's different because when we had friends growing up, we actually had to hang out with them. Oh. We had to be in the same room with them. We had to call them on the phone. Like we had to 
relate to them in a different way. Hey, listen, I had a conversation with my son the other day about some things. And I said to him, you guys nowadays want something for nothing. Mm-hmm. You want a relationship and automatic best friends or automatic you want your crush to like you. And you don't want to do nothing. Mm-hmm. All you want to do is snap or like a picture. or it's, That's not how that works. Right. Like, even in today's society, you still have, yeah, I remember, I should, I remember, yeah, you had, you had to go to their house, you had to, you had, you had to, to speak to their parents. I would, oh man, I was saying that to him the other day, I said, you know, when I liked a girl, I had to call the house. Mm-hmm. Anybody could answer. Anyone could answer, and most times it was the father, mm-hmm. and you had to say, good evening, Mr. So-and-so, mm-hmm. may I speak to and, yeah, I used to have to do that with Ashira, too. Mm-hmm. And we weren't even dating. Yeah. We were just friends. If I wanted to talk to her on the phone, I had to call, sometimes talk to her dad or her mom or her older sister. And they would be like, yo, who is this kid calling right. you? You had to go through those things. Mm-hmm. Now everyone's got a cell phone. Well, everybody's got a cell phone. And you can just get their number and you and, text. And you don't even have to call them because you can just text them. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I those are the people who from my hometown have had the strongest foundation mm-hmm. in my life. And I appreciate them greatly. They know that though. And I think that's why our kids, like you were saying before, their, their connections and their memories for Anthony and for both of mine are basketball related because that's who they see in real life. And mm-hmm. that's who they physically are in the same. I mean, they might be physically in the same room and still texting each other like your son and my daughter will do, but yeah. In- insane. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That those, yeah. But yeah, I, like I said before, um, I am so happy to be from where I'm from mm-hmm. because I wouldn't be who I was, who I am today without it. Yeah. And, and it's serendipity because you never know where you're going to be from, right? Like, you don't pick that. Like when my parents were looking for an apartment when they were just starting out, I don't know what made them pick Flushing Queens. Mm hmm. But if they hadn't, I think I'd be less of a man today. So I'm appreciative of that. And even though I gave them a whole bunch of shit for it, (laughs) if we hadn't moved to Rochdale, I think I would be less of a man also. Mm -hmm. Because I think experiences there prepared me, I think they prepared me for life more. And I definitely know that there is much about my perseverance and seeing beauty where others might not. stems from where I'm from. I think, you know, we've had discussions before about social issues. And sometimes you don't understand, you know, how other white people (laughs) don't see it, how you do. Uh And I say, well, other white people are not from Flint, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're always, you based your worldview on life experiences. And most of your life experience is going to come from your hometown. Mm -hmm. And so if you've seen racism, if you've seen social injustice, if you've hung out with black people, then you understand that. If you haven't, then you don't. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because most of my friends from Flushing, most are all over the social thing. Mm -hmm. Because we, like I said, we were in a multicultural society. They don't understand was going on like they, they they wouldn't think of me getting shot by the police when I was 14 they say, hey, they, they're not down with that yep. but that's because of their life experience if you grew up in a place where it was like homogeneous 
all the same people, mm-hmm. you don't get that. Right. So we, I, I think we're lucky in that regard. So, so serious today. So serious. <laughs> but it is. It's going to be a great arc, I think, for our season. Yeah, it's going to sound so great. And it's going to sound so great. I'm looking forward to the guests. I really am, I too. can't lie. I hope that, that you listeners are also. Um, definitely, uh, if you have missed anything in season one, go back and check it out. We will continue to put up new episodes on Wednesday. Special guest next week. Um, our first one. Our first in-studio guest. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be really cool. Um, I'm more excited to bring that to you. Definitely check us out. Check out our private Facebook group. All you have to do is search for the Strongly Worded Pod group. Um, find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter at Strongly Worded P. <laughs> uh, we got to tweet more. We need. We do need to tweet more. Really, the only thing we tweet right now are the links to our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would love it if you would do that, too. If you are on Twitter and you know somebody uh, that you know or that you follow or whatever that you think would be interested in one of these episodes, please tweet it to them. Please share it on your Facebook. We are setting some goals for this year to grow our listenership, and we can't do that without your support. So there's that. All right, Johnny. Here's to season two. Here's to season two. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. Johnny and Susan. I got to sit the right way. I keep crossing my legs and my foot falls asleep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like midway through the... This strongly worded podcast is written and produced by Johnny Hampton and Sue O'Lear. Music.